You are listening to Living for the Cinema with Jeff Gershon. I am a cinema enthusiast of all genres, here to discuss with you one film every episode. The good, the bad, and the ugly of what makes each film unique. And just as a warning, these films might be in theaters now, or they may be from 10, 20, 30 years ago. But regardless, there's a strong possibility that I will be revealing spoilers. I might give away the plot or the ending in this review, so just be warned. Fast Times at Ridgemont High, which came out in 1982 and was directed by Amy Heckerling. It stars Sean Penn, Jennifer Jason Lee, Judge Reinhold, Phoebe Cates, Brian Backer, Robert Romanus, Ray Walston, and Forrest Whitaker, among several others, actually. The genre would be raunchy teen comedy. Hey, this new tune from Fast Times at Ridgemont High is totally awesome! Yeah, it's a righteous flick, with music by Sammy Hagar, Joe Walsh, The Ravens, and Jimmy Buffett. Well, bag this, let's go to the movie! Awesome! in the lobby. <laughs> like, I thought it was a drive-in. <laughs> Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Rated R. Under 17, not admitted without parents. Now playing. Consult Thursday's newspapers for a theater or drive-in near you. It had been a long time since I had seen this, and it's always been one of those enduring 80s classics that I never quite got besides the seminal cast. There was always a creepiness at this movie's core that stuck with me more than most of the humor. But now revisiting it, I realize that it's not really a full-on, quote, comedy but more of a 90-minute star-studded episode of Degrassi High. You know, slice-of-life comedy-slash-drama tribute to not only 80 suburban teens, but more so, the mall. And awkward moments included, it works more on that level. I mean, there are funny moments. I get so lonely when I hear that third attendance bell oh, ring, and all my kids are not here. <sighs> Sorry I'm late. It's just like this new schedule's totally confusing. Mr. Spicoli. That's the name they gave me. You're ripping my car. Yeah. Hey, bud, what's your problem? No problem at all. I think you know where the front office is. You dick! Several involving Sean Penn as Jeff Spicoli and the late, great Ray Walston as Mr. Hand. There are also several authentic performances, including Jennifer Jason Leigh as the most sympathetic character in the movie, Stacy. I just want you to know that I'm pregnant. How do you know it's mine? I mean, we only did it once. I haven't been with anybody else. I know it's yours. Jesus. I mean, it was your idea. You wanted to do it. I. You wanted it more than I did. No. Take that back. Her sex scenes are certainly creepy, and she plays the awkwardness very well. Leigh was actually 20 at the time, but she still looked 15, and I guess that was the point. That doesn't make seeing her in these sequences any less uncomfortable, of course. For me, the mall scenes are the highlights, and they certainly did stir up nostalgia. I myself worked as the ticket taker at a mall multiplex for several years during college, and it was right near a food court. And yeah, while the free movies were an awesome perk, you certainly did spend much of your time gazing at the cute girls across the way serving pizza. Smoking's upstairs to your left. Smoking's upstairs to your left. Smoking's upstairs. Hey, Ray, is Dolly Parton giving you a percentage of the profit? What's the matter? You look depressed. I hate working the theater. All the action's on the other side of the mall. It's also fun to watch hulking young Forrest Whitaker tower over every other character. I mean, I know the dude was 6'2", but everyone around him seems a foot shorter. Did they have him wearing lifts? I don't know. Well, when are those Earth, Wind & Fire tickets coming in? 
Earth, Wind, and Fire? Jeez, uh, I haven't heard anything, but the, the minute I do, I'll let you know. So you know, I'm planning on taking my little brother away. Is that your little brother? <laughs> He's a good-looking kid. Uh, great. Charles Jefferson for Earth, Wind, and Fire and a little brother. And I'll let you know when they come around, okay? Wow, does he really live here? I thought he just flew in for games. And then there's Phoebe Cates. It's clear why a generation of young men fell in love with her after this movie. And I could at least appreciate that the butt of the joke with her nude scene ends up actually being Judge Reinhold's dorky character and not her. All in all, the film feels authentic and props to director Amy Heckerling and writer Cameron Crowe for pulling that off. I mean, regarding Cameron Crowe, the undercover high school gig that he did to gather material for this movie, for the screenplay, or actually for the book it was based upon, it's now legend. And they pull it all off. The clothes, the music, the stores, the banter. But if we're having a battle of early 80s high school teen flicks taking place in Southern California, sorry, but Valley Girl is still the tops as far as I'm concerned. I mean, let's leave the party. I'm so sure. And that now brings me to the categories. The first category is the best needle drop. This is the best song cue or piece of score used throughout the runtime of the film because music is essential to film. Fast Times features a very iconic soundtrack filled with 80s pop goodies from the likes of Jackson Brown, Don Henley, The Go-Go's, Donna Summer, and Stevie Nicks, among so many others. So this was a tough choice. So I will narrow it down to two, one of them almost a throwaway. That throwaway one features a song by the legendary British rock band Led Zeppelin, but not the one you'd expect. You see, sleazoid ladies' man Damone, played by Robert Romanus, in a funny performance, though the character becomes quite easy to hate by the end, he has a special, quote, five-point plan towards romancing young ladies, which he dispenses at the mall to the much more inexperienced Mark, or Rat, as he's nicknamed, played by Brian Backer. Now, I'm not sure if this is a foolproof plan, but the fifth point seems novel. When in doubt, always play side one of Led Zeppelin's fourth album. I mean, sure, you've got some melancholy tunes with some romanticism behind them, like Stairway to Heaven or The Battle of Evermore. Not a bad way to go if you play these songs quietly enough in the car. Well, cut to Mark or Rat driving on his first date with Stacy, and what we actually hear is side two of Zeppelin's sixth album, literally blasting from his car stereo as they try to talk. The song is Kashmir, and this would not be the last time it would be used in a movie either. See Matt Damon's brilliant sighting of the lyrics in Ocean's 12 in an early scene. But clearly, this kind of music is not ideal for first date chit-chat. And five. Now this is most important, Rat. Comes down to making out whenever possible. Put on side one of Led Zeppelin 4. This is a nice car. Yeah, it's my sister's. Yeah? Do you have my sister in English? Yeah, yeah, she's pretty good. Yeah, she is pretty good. And my other top choice has to be the closing song from one of the great party bands of the 1980s. It closes out the movie. That would be Oingo Boingo, who would also provide memorable needle drops for several other comedies in this era, including Dead Man's Party for Back to School and the title song for Weird Science. 
These guys were just omnipresent for several years, through the 90s in fact, with high-energy concerts and their share of experimental music. Though, of course, their lead singer would eventually break out on his own and make his mark as one of our premier film composers. Danny Elfman. You might have heard of him. Well, this song kicks in at the very end of a tense final scene as we see Judge Reinhold's Brad now working the counter at a convenience store. Mighty Mart, it's called. When suddenly a violent robber comes in and threatens to shoot him until he opens the safe. Well, Brad just flips out. He gets a drop on the dude and defeats him with a hot pot of coffee, no less. It's actually quite the triumphant ending as Spicoli is right there in the store cheering him on, no less. And then the song starts to kick in. It's goodbye, goodbye. Such a fun rockabilly tune with a raucous chorus. And as we hear it, we see a montage of all the major characters with text on screen stating what would happen to them after high school. Yeah, this was pretty much lifted from Animal House, which came out just a few years earlier. But I honestly prefer this one. My personal favorite is, of course, the one for Rat or Mark and Stacy. The lines are, having a passionate love affair, dot, 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 but still haven't gone all the way. I love that. And then the montage shifts into footage of every store or food joint featured during the movie closing down for the night, ending on the main entrance of the Ridgemont Mall. How fitting. This combination of clever footage and a fun song is just the definition of a comedy, quote, closing strong. All right, Hamilton. The next category would be wasted talent. This is the most underutilized talent involved with the film. It's honestly hard to refer to any particular talent involved with this film, mainly the cast, to be underutilized since most of the cast was relatively young and untested. This was the first big break for most involved, including the writer and director, no less. I mean, director Amy Heckerling was 27 at the time of filming, and writer Cameron Crowe, he was only 24. The only other film I've reviewed on this podcast with such young, top-of-the-line talent was likely Boys in the Hood. That said, having also reviewed the movie Milk recently, which is the last film that he won an Oscar for, I am pretty much hard-pressed to find any other performances given by Sean Penn in the 36 years, 36 years between Milk and Fast Times, where he was actually playing someone this likable. And not only likable, but iconic. His Jeff Spicoli pretty much paved the way for dozens of similar stoner-slash-surfer types in movies, TV shows for years to come, including, of course, Bill and Ted. No way! Yes way! It's kind of crazy in retrospect that he shifted into such serious territory for decades to come. And don't get me wrong, I think Sean Penn is one of the best actors of his generation, and you will see other reviews in the future featuring his performances, because he's that good. But still, it's always a nice reminder to see him in this particular lane. Jefferson was saying, was, hey, you know, we left this England place because it was bogus. So if we don't get some cool rules ourselves, pronto, we'll just be bogus too. Yeah? Very close, Jeff. I think I've made my point with you tonight, huh? 
Mr. Han, do you have a guy like me in class every year? You know, a guy who you make an example of? You'll find out next year. And that brings me to the next category, the trailer moment. This is the scene or moment that best describes this movie. Like I said earlier, the best moments in this film, or at least the funniest moments in this film, might be between Jeff Spicoli and Mr. Hans. And if I had to pick one, it would probably be the legendary scene about halfway through the movie when Spicoli is in Hans or Han's history class. Allow me to set the scene. Mr. Han is at first startled to see Jeff in class, actually, at one point, while he's giving a lesson about the relationship between Cuba and Spain. But no matter, when suddenly we find out that Spicoli has done what I know many of us wish we could have done at any point during a boring class in school, when we were also just feeling hungry and a bit bold. He ordered a pizza. Four of the deviled cheese and sausage. Right here, dude. Am I hallucinating here? Just what in the hell do you think you're doing? Learning about Cuba, having some food. And what results is a pretty clever exchange between teacher and student. And I gotta say, the pizza looks really good too. You're absolutely right, Mr. Spicoli. It is our time. Yours, mine, and everyone else's in this room. But it is my class. Hamilton, Brandt, Kornfeld, up front. Mr. Spicoli has been kind enough to bring us a snack. Be my guest. Help yourselves. Get a good one. That brings me to the final category, the MVP. This is the person or people who are most responsible for the success of this film. Now, considering there are also appearances by a young Nicolas Cage, then known as Nicolas Coppola, there's also Anthony Edwards and Eric Stoltz, just about before they were each to break out, and how everyone gives entertaining and natural performances, the biggest legacy of Fast Times at Ridgemont High has undoubtedly been its cast, which is very impressive. But overall, it's even more impressive that you had two equally young talents, both in their 20s, a first-time director and screenwriter who were able to pull this whole thing off in such a confident manner, resulting in one of the most influential comedies of the past 40 years. And this was just the beginning of strong careers for each of these folks. Amy Heckerling would go on to direct the hysterical, undervalued comedy Johnny Dangerously a couple of years later, along with writing and directing the equally iconic teen classic Clueless 13 years later. And Cameron Crowe would go on to write and direct some genuinely classic comedy dramas himself, including Say Anything, Jerry Maguire, and Almost Famous. What they collaborated on this time was a memorable time capsule movie which took you to a specific time and place relating to an extended group of well-drawn characters, even in the absence of a true overall plot. In the tradition of modern classics like Dazed and Confused and The Breakfast Club, along with previous episodes, Swingers, and Boys in the Hood. The structure of the movie was straightforward. The dialogue was pretty clever, the pacing was brisk, and the situations portrayed were relatable. That comes down to good writing and direction, plain and simple. And for that reason, Amy Heckerling and Cameron Crowe are your MVPs. Sir, if you just give me a minute, I'll find the forms. I'll take care of everything. I don't have a minute. You've made me late enough. I am so tired of dealing with incompetence. It says 100% guaranteed, you moron. Mister, if you don't shut up, I'm going to kick 100% of your ass. My rating for Fast Times at Ridgemont High 
would be three and a half stars out of five. Hey, I like this movie. I just don't love it as I wish it was kind of funnier to me. I mean, comedy is subjective, but it's a fun watch. Happy 40th anniversary to a modern comedy coming-of-age teen classic. And if you're looking to watch Fast Times at Ridgemont High, it is currently streaming on Peacock. And that ends another Tasty Waves and Cool Buzz review. Please like, subscribe, and share the Living for the Cinema podcast, and follow and like us on Facebook, Instagram, and Letterboxd. And join us next time for another review from Living for the Cinema. Living for the Cinema.